that you'll be with Rick as he speaks today and help us to listen well and to, to hear what you have to say. Thank you for all you do. Amen. Aloha. Vicki and I appreciate the invitation to come and spend a few days here with you. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Pastor. We, uh, our blood has gotten thin from living in Hawaii, but we spent a lot of years in Beijing, which has weather a lot like you have here, so we, uh, we've learned how to cope with the cold. Title of my message today is The Spirit of Truth taken from a statement that Jesus made in John chapter 16, verse 13, when he said, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you ever feel like truth is a moving target? Just when you feel like you have things figured out, you gain a new insight or have a new experience that, that causes everything to look different. Or you meet someone who has a different take on the world and it causes you to rethink your position. Or a cruel professor introduces you to some new idea or new philosophy that makes you wonder if you can ever be really sure about anything. And this is the world we live in. It's, it's a world of irreducible pluralism, different belief systems, conflicting truth claims, and... Uh, it's a world where some people say that there are no longer any capital T truths, only small t truths, your truth, my truth, but no big absolute truth that makes a claim on all of us. And this is the world we inhabit. And in a world like this, the missionary is a scandal because the missionary marches into a culture that may not be her own and claims to know the truth. A capital T truth. A truth that trumps all other truth claims. A truth that can set you free. And indeed, Jesus himself made this scandalous claim, didn't he? He said, I am the truth. What does that mean? Because we're used to truths that are stated in words, propositions. We like a creed that you can hang on the wall and point to and say, that's the truth I believe right there. But what does it mean for truth to be a person? Truth as the life of Jesus, the words, the actions, the death, the resurrection, the continuing eternal existence, the whole thing. And the more I think about this, the more I like it. Truth not just as propositions that we can argue about, but truth as a person, truth embodied, not just talked about, truth lived out. And this helps me because this tells me that even if you believe there is an ultimate truth, which I hope you do, that there is a way to live and speak and be in the world that is absolutely loyal to this truth and yet does not offend or alienate the people that you're trying to love into the kingdom. And China was a perfect place to learn about this, to put this to the test. 
In China, we don't use the M words. No one talks about missions or missionaries. We all have to have jobs that let us fly under the radar because they don't grant missionary visas there. So we find an occupation that lets us get a residence visa and settle into the neighborhood. No one called me reverend or pastor. We have no visible denominational presence as a church. Everything is done informally, quietly, in small groups, usually in our homes. And in that kind of environment where uh, you're stripped of all the, the uh, support structures, the trappings of religion, we learn that God works through things like friendship and hospitality and kindness and compassion. These are ways of incarnating the love of Christ, ways of living the kingdom. And what we learned in China, we now understand not to be just true in China, but it's true everywhere. This is the way God works no matter where you are or with whom you're living and working. So we reached out to our friends among the people groups of China with the prayer that the spirit of truth, the spirit of Jesus himself, would draw people to him. So, I've chosen a story to illustrate this for you this morning. Out in the southwest part of China, there's this huge area called the Tibetan Plateau. And Tibet was not originally part of China, but China in its expansionism has annexed Tibet. And so Tibetan people are very different. They look different. They speak a different language. Their culture and background is totally different. And they're very deeply spiritual people devoted to their form of Buddhism and and they love the Dalai Lama. Many Tibetans live out on the grasslands of that plateau, and they're nomads. They graze their yaks and sheep wherever they can find good grazing pasture. And my friend Wojup was born to one of these families, nomadic yak herders in the grasslands of Tibet. His mother gave birth to 13 children. Nine of them lived. And Wojip was right in the middle of the pack. From earliest days, he was a very precocious child, always curious about things and wanting to learn. When he got to the age where he could go to school, he begged his parents to let him go to school. But Tibetan uh, nomad parents are reluctant to let their kids go to school because, sure enough, if you let your kids go to school, they're going to get a degree and find a job in the city, and they'll never come back to the grasslands to help their parents with the family business. But finally, when he was 16 years old, Wojip got permission from his parents to go to school. So he went to town and enrolled as a 16-year-old first grader. And that's not entirely unusual because this phenomenon happens in a lot of Tibetan families. And they have a program that accelerates you through the early grades. And uh, Wojip was a great student. He did well. He advanced, went to high school, which is not required went on to college, and even got a master's degree in the history and philosophy of his own culture, which allowed him to get a job as, at an institute of Tibetan studies. So there was Wojip, the little boy from the grasslands who had done so well in school. But he still wasn't satisfied because he knew there was a big world out there, and he wanted to learn about it. And he thought, if I can ever just get to one of the big cities of China, to Beijing or Shanghai, I know there's a lot of foreigners there. And probably some of those foreigners believe in other religions, like Judaism or Islam or Christianity. And maybe one of those 
foreigners would help me understand other belief systems. So for all the years we lived in Beijing, in the summers we would bring youth and mission teams of students just like you to Beijing for several weeks in the summer. We would enroll them at a Chinese university as Mandarin language students. They would live in the dormitory, eat their meals in the cafeteria, and we, we would ask them to at least pretend like they were interested in learning Chinese. And they would make friends among the local students, and then we'd have them all over to our house for movies and pizza and games, and we would establish a relationship with these young Chinese students. And that's the way we would form our uh, investigative Bible studies. Well, one summer when we brought the youth and mission team to the campus, they reported to us that they were meeting people who weren't Chinese. They were Tibetans. And I explained to them that this was a very special opportunity because Tibetans are one of the least reached, one of the least evangelized people groups in the world. So we had two groups that summer, one Chinese, one Tibetan, and we were just so excited about this opportunity to get to know our Tibetan friends. So we did the same thing with them. We wanted to talk about family and culture, and we'd eat pizza and play games. And one of the people in that group was Wojek. And he came to me and he said, this is really fun. It's so great. We appreciate you having you, us into your home. But he said, I, we don't have much time with you. And I wonder if you would just be willing to study the Bible more deeply with me. I said, I'm sorry, I really don't have time for that. No, I said, let's get together every week. We'll make time and find a way to do this. And so the little boy who came from the grasslands to the first grade as a 16-year-old and went to graduate school and got a job at a Tibetan institute had come to Beijing with this group that were there on a scholarship from a foundation that was letting them study English for a couple of years. And so... Wojip and I started to meet together. I told him about my culture, my beliefs. He told me about his. Because we believe that when it comes to sharing our deeply believed stories, we have to follow the golden rule, which says what? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if we want people to respectfully listen to our story, we need to respectfully listen to theirs. And it can't be a debate or an argument about which one is true. It needs to be a real conversation, a dialogue. And in dialogue, you don't just sit there waiting for your turn to say what you want to say in hopes that you can silence the other side and, and convert them. You want to respectfully listen and learn. And then, hopefully, they will also listen and learn from you. Because here's what we have to acknowledge. If you or I had been born where Wojip was born, we would grow up a Tibetan Buddhist too, wouldn't we? And we would have our own sacred scriptures and our own songs of worship. We would have our religious experiences to point to as evidence of the truth that we believe. And so, you know, to, to ask someone to come over to our side from their own precious belief system is no small thing. So I told Wajip, I said, if you ever become a Christian, you would be a Tibetan Buddhist Christian. And he was surprised to hear me say that. And I was surprised to hear me say that. And I explained to him, I don't mean that you can serve two masters. You're going to have to stop praying to the Buddhas and believing in all that spirit world. But you can't ever stop being who you are. This is your 
background. This is what has shaped you. And you should never think that you have to become like me, an American Christian, or like a Chinese Christian. You will be a unique kind of Christian that has sprung up from the soil of Tibet and Tibetan Buddhism. And God himself will show you what you can hang on to from your culture and what you need to discard. One day we were talking about the afterlife, what comes after this life. And uh, he said, well, another life, reincarnation. And I said, Christians don't believe in reincarnation. He said, what? Really? He said, but there's so much scientific proof for reincarnation. There's so many testimonies of people who can remember their past lives. How can you not believe in that? I said, well, that's just something we're going to have to agree to disagree about and keep studying, keep learning, and the spirit of truth hopefully will, will show you. So over and over again, we would come to this point where we just had to smile and laugh at each other and say, isn't it interesting how two people on the same planet can have such different belief systems? And, and I believe that we should let the stories be told let the truth claims be made, and then pray that the truth will rise and that the spirit of truth will draw people to Christ. So one day we, we met, I think it was at a subway. What a terrible place to meet. But, you know, there we are in China with all this amazing different options for food, and we're at a subway. But anyway, um, I said, Wojip, you've been investigating and studying. We've been meeting for all these weeks. Just tell me where you are now. What, what do you think about all this? And I happened to have a Chinese New Testament with me, and he, he actually reached over and picked it up, and, and it said Fu uh, Yin on the front, which is the Chinese word for gospel, good news. He said, what, what does this mean again? I said, oh, that means gospel. And he put the book down. He said, okay, I wait for your gospel. I thought, you can't make this stuff up. Here I am, a missionary in China. I have a Tibetan Buddhist sitting across the table from me saying, I wait for your gospel. And so I just told him in the simplest terms I could, as if I was explaining to my five-year-old grandson, what it means for there to be a God in heaven, a creator of the universe who demonstrated his love for us by sending his son in human form, who spoke words of life, and did compassionate deeds and then poured out his life as a sacrifice on the cross. I was just hoping, praying that some, something would, would find a lodging place in his heart. Time went by. We met again and again. Vicki and I were getting ready to come return to the States for a few weeks or a few months. And uh, Wojip showed up at my door. And I said, hey, Wojip, how are you doing? What, what brings you here today? He said, I came to help you pack. And uh, I'd seen how Tibetans pack before. I said, no, 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 you don't need to do that. I can pack myself. Let's just sit down and talk for a while. So we sat down, and, and uh, I said, well, Jip, have you come to the place where you could say that you believe in God? I wasn't close to the Christian gospel yet. I just said, do you think you believe in God? He said, oh, yes, I do. I said, well, tell me what you believe about God. He said, I believe that God is a great spirit. And he's everywhere. And he loves me. And he wants me to know the truth. And I want to know the truth. And I want to take the truth back to my own people. 
I thought, wow, that's pretty good. He's come so far from where I first met him to be talking in terms like that. And, and I did something pretty awkward. I said, I'd just like to pray. Is that okay? Can I say a prayer for you and just thank God that he's brought you this far? He said, sure. So I did the prayerful thing, bowed my head, closed my eyes, and thanked God for loving Wojup and for leading him to this point and asked him to continue to show him the truth and prayed for a while and then said amen. When I opened my eyes, I realized Wojup had not bowed his head or closed his eyes because, after all, no one had ever taught him to do that. In fact, he was just staring at me, you know, with his face about this far away, just staring at me. And his eyes kind of misted over a little bit. And I realized that for the first time in his life, he was hearing someone pray to the creator of all things, the God of the universe, and say his name in that prayer. It was a really holy moment. We just sat there for a, a moment. And something happened in that moment. And the next day, Wojip called me on the phone. He said, hello. I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, I'm doing so well. I feel very good. I feel very happy today. There was something new in his, in his voice. We, we came back to the States, and soon I got an email letter from Wojip, and part of it said something like this. Hello. He spells it like he says it. Hello. How are you? I hope you are doing good. I'm back home, and I'm fine. I'm very thankful for two things. First of all, my wife, she always helped me and support me to study. She never complained or argued to me. In all Tibet or China, very hard to find a wife like this. I wanted to say, amen, hard to find a wife like that anywhere in the world, right? Or a husband like that. Second, he said, I'm thankful that God sent his son to the world to teach me the truth. I always want to study more to understand better. Always stay happy and safe travels, your friend, Wojip. And over the years, we had so many young adults pass through our lives and through our living room. And some of them embraced faith in Christ, and many did not. But our hope was that they would simply have the opportunity to hear a new story, and that they would see that the central figure, the central character of that story was not a dead teacher or prophet, but was, a, but, but was alive, and that the evidence of his living reality could be seen in our lives. The truth not just talked about, but embodied, incarnated. You know, this is living the gospel. This is being the kingdom in a way that people can experience and see. So whether we're in Tibet or China or Hawaii or Boston or Quincy or Young Dormitory or wherever you stay, this is, this is what God's mission is about, to be a fresh incarnation of the love and grace and hospitality and kindness of Jesus to live the gospel in word and deed. We never do it perfectly, but when we seek first the kingdom, we can have confidence that the spirit of truth 
working through us to draw people to Christ. Let's pray together. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of truth, would you be our guide in this world of conflicting voices and truth claims? Would you help us to settle into a place where we know that we are loved and that in you we are free to be who you've made us to be and to just share the life and love of Christ with those around us. And when we do that, Lord, use our feeble, failing, faltering attempts to point people to you. Be with Wojcik today. Be with all of us and lead people to you. Through us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Wow. Thank you for that powerful word today, Pastor Rick. This evening, um, for those of you who'd like to spend a little bit more time with Rick and his wife, Vicki, um, we have um, set up uh, time at Will Campbell's house. Will was a graduate VNC last year. He doesn't live far from campus. And so this evening at 6.30, uh, we're providing dinner for you there at Will's house. Uh, shuttles will leave or, or carpools will leave from the front gate around 6.15. If you'd like to be a part of that conversation, of that just relaxed time, asking questions, Perhaps you are an international student here today, and I know the heartbeat of Rick and Vicki, and they would love to hear you, to hear your story, to hear what it's like for you to live in America, uh, knowing where you come from, your culture, your belief system, and they would, uh, they would invite you especially to be a part of this evening's gathering. So again, that's 6.15 at the front gate uh, to join a carpool to go to Will Campbell's house. A pizza dinner is provided. Of course, anybody is willing or is, it, is invited to go. And if you have questions, you can come to my office today or you can see Ashley Prax. She's the one organizing that event. Would you stand with me and we'll sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son. are dismissed.